fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and arranged by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. And Emmy Sunshine is from Madisonville, Tennessee. She's only 14 years old, and uh, she recorded that when she was nine. Just real proud of Emmy Sunshine. Today, we're setting the table with seeds and stories, because we're all thinking about springtime planting. And our first guest is John Koykendall, a legendary seed saver and promoter of heirloom seed and the stories of the people who've saved the seed. And in the March 2019 issue of Food & Wine magazine, John Koykendall has been featured in the publication's first Makers-themed issue, which recognizes 31 game-changing craftspeople redefining cuisine in the United States. So how about that? So today we hear from John about how he became a seed saver and some of the varieties that he saved and where to find old-time heirloom seed like the ones that he saves. And he's going to share some cute little stories. Also, Fred Sossman, with his Potluck Radio segment, will feature from Johnson City, Tennessee, Tri-County Beverages Soda Pop, Dr. Enough, which is going on for 70 years now. Plus, I've got news of an event coming up at Iams Nature Center in Knoxville, which includes a potluck dinner, seed swap, a talk from John Corkendall, and the screening of his documentary that was made about his work. The name of that is called Deeply Rooted. Thank you so much for your good company here today. I sure do thank you for tuning in. Now let's get started. Let's start with our first guest, John Koykendall. We'll hear about some of the varieties of seed that he's saved and how he got started as a seed saver. I would say actually with all of my seed saving endeavors is when you start collecting things, you never realize what diversity there is. Again, we talk about the black-eyed pea. For years and years, that's all I ever saw. It's like talking about butter beans. The green lime is all I saw for years until I began collecting seed and found out just how many different types there were. But these field peas, you can look at the diversity of these. It's just an incredible number of types. 
in the area of seed saving. You know, I've had the theme gardens the last two years. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, as you remember, was the William Henry Mile seed catalog. That's the one that I found uh, 1959 in the old Ebenezer Station west of Knoxville. You remember the Ebenezer Station, don't you? I do. It was out on the, let's see, it was out Pip's Ironwork is, the, is there yeah. now. But it's on Ebenezer Road. It was an old brick uh, station. Of course, that's long since gone, but I found a copy of that 1913 seed catalog in that abandoned station. And that's what uh, sparked my interest to become a seed saver. That was one of the earliest things. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my big thing. Hmm. And of course, they had all those beautiful engravings in it and those old varieties. Mm-hmm. But my point is, you're talking about having things all over the world. Mm-hmm. At that time, you take 1959, I would look in that book and I'd see certain uh, old varieties. And I would think, gosh, I wonder if that still exists or where could I find that? You know, there was no networking at all. There were no seed-saving organizations of a formal type. Obviously, thank goodness, individuals were saving these things. Mm-hmm. But say you had something that was in that catalog, an old tomato, and maybe you're living somewhere in California and I'm here in Knoxville, you'd have no way of knowing I was looking for that and I wouldn't know that you existed. No. But you fast-forward mm-hmm. up to today, you can... Uh, Take your little cell phone, have the computers on them. You can type in anything. I've had guests a lot of times up there. I'll be walking along talking about things, and I'll look back, and they'll have that out there typing in some things, and maybe something I've uh, mentioned there, and they'll show me on the screen. Here comes up uh, probably a whole morning's worth of reading on one subject or one variety. It's amazing, and sources for it. It really is. And what would I have given for that in 1959 or 60? When Boy, I bet. I bet. <laughs> there, there was, but there was no way of, of doing it. Mm-mm. Now, they had computers but uh, at that time, but they were probably about the size of your house here. Yes. Certainly not something you carried in your pocket <laughs> or had a, you know, something on your desk, laptop. But that was, uh, you know, today you have uh, such a wealth of information you can... <clears throat> that you can bring up. It's amazing. It really is. It's so wonderful for what you're doing. And that was, uh, you have to fast forward up to 1990. That's when I became a member of the Seed Savers Exchange. And I became a listed member. A listed member is someone that's growing these old varieties and is a member of the Seed Savers Exchange and they're offering different uh, varieties they're growing out. And they have that big yearbook that goes out mm-hmm. in February, real thick, and it has everything from A to Z, apples to zucchini. Oh. So, I mean, it's, it's in there if someone, a member's growing it. And that's, uh, there was one thing that I was so fascinated from the beginning with, and that was the Tennessee sweet potato pumpkin. They look similar to a kushaw, except they're bell-shaped, weigh about 25 pounds, looks like a big bell, about so tall. And they're white with faint green stripes on them. Mm-hmm. And that's a, Yellow flesh squash has a wonderful Ooh. flavor. It is kind of sweet potato mm. flavored. Make excellent pies or for baking, any kind of thing that you do with a winter squash. And I grew those last year in that Mal garden. You did. Because come when 1990 rolled around and I got the first yearbook, there were three or four sources for the Tennessee sweet potato pumpkin in that uh, catalog oh. that they had. And I remember ordering those and that was Oh, about January, February, 
and the seed came, and just like a little kid on a Christmas morning, I got the seed out, and I'd look at them every day. I think I had them on my pillow all winter, <laughs> sit there and wake up and look at those things, and how many more days is it till you can plant? Oh, I bet. <laughs> how exciting. Yeah, how many days is it before planting time? Oh, well, so um, 1959 to 1990, that's a lot of years of saving seed. That's a lot. Well, of course, I didn't, I've been doing it about probably 50-some years. Wow. And it was very small in the beginning to start out, but now I've got, oh, let's see, I had 109 listings last count with the Seed Savers Exchange. Wow. And people write for samples. Mm -hmm. And generally you'll send out samples of 25 seeds. Mm -hmm. That's a, a startup packet, something for them to get started. We don't offer commercial size packages of seed. In other words, you're not going to get 200 seeds enough to plant a field of corn. Mm -hmm. You're going to get something to get you started mm -hmm. and then you become a guardian of that seed and you grow that out and increase your supply and then you offer it to others. That's uh, how that works. You know, um, I was looking at Clemson, at a Clemson seed saving website and they've got all kinds of your seed. Dr. Bradshaw was there at the time that I gave him those seeds. I gave him 35 different things. Uh -huh. And that was uh, the South Carolina Foundation Seed Association. Yes. I think that has since been moved up to uh, North Carolina State now. They're not doing that Clemson anymore. Oh, okay. But that collection's intact, and I think they're working on it up at North Carolina State. Good. That's but good. I love to have those in places where people grow them out. Yes. Absolutely. If I have, say, 500 things of the seed varieties I have, and they're all preserved in the freezers at home, that's what I would refer to as functionally extinct. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're saved, but they're not available to anyone else. If you were looking for one of those old tomatoes I had, or a pumpkin, mm -hmm. or squash, you wouldn't know that I had it. Mm -hmm. So we've got to have these things out where they're grown. Yes. Where they're being used and passed on. Mm -hmm. That's the whole purpose of that. So yeah. the more we get out there, the more awareness, mm -hmm. then the, the better off we are keeping all these things going. Absolutely. There's no reason in the world why you couldn't grow yeah. a lot of things here. For instance, you could become a, mm -hmm. you could become a member of the Seed Savers organization. That's a very worthwhile thing when, it you, is. when you support them. It is. And you could become, if you wanted to, a listed member. You could mm -hmm. offer, you wouldn't need to have a mm -hmm. huge number. You can grow one butter bean out here. Mm -hmm. I say one because if you have more than that, they have to be isolated by at least a mile. Oh, okay. I got so, you. So you could have uh, as big as this property as You could probably have three or four beans. Just mm -hmm. scatter them out different places. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we're visiting with John Koikendall, seed saver, master gardener, storyteller, and Tennessee treasure. After a short break from our sponsor, we'll hear a cute little story from John about the wash day pee. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. 
Details at CenturyHarvest.com. And now let's return to our first guest, seed-saving giant here in East Tennessee and Tennessee treasurer John Koykendall. Most all of the varieties I have have a story to go with them. I think with the, for instance, these peas that we have uh, spread out on this muslin cloth, that to me they'd be the perfect notes. If I was doing a big lecture somewhere, I wouldn't take a notebook with notes in it. All I would do is put these varieties of peas out, and each one has their own story. They speak for themselves. That's all you would need, mm-hmm. and it's uh, fascinating. I want to tell a story. Now, this is especially for the ladies in the audience. And this story is about the wash day pea. Now, you know, wash day in the old days was always on Monday. And the pea that I have here is a very, very small, round, yellowish tan pea. And it was cooked on wash day. Now, the reason they cooked it on wash day was it cooked up very fast. It would cook up in the same amount of time as you could bake a pone of cornbread. But to regress a little bit, the ladies had a real rough day on wash day. Now, they had to get up before first light. They had to build fires under the cast iron wash kettles, shave the lye soap off into the water. They had those big paddles to stir the clothes with. They had battling blocks and battling sticks to beat the dirt out with. You had rinse waters. You had to wring all of that out by hand. Had to take that out and hang it up. Now, I'll tell you something. None of you ladies at that time, or today would you be either, would you want to cook dinner for the men at home? So what they're going to get on wash day is that little pea. And that pea cooks up in the same amount of time that you can bake a pone of cornbread. So that was perfect for that. Now, if you were in an especially good mood that day, hadn't had too bad a go of it, you might give them a slice of onion to go with it. But the story of that, I, I love the, uh, the history and the, the story behind it. It's fantastic. That's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of history and heritage. I was thinking about that uh, last night, and I was thinking about talking about these uh, different peas. You really gain an appreciation for what people went through in those days. I came home in uh, the summertime, you know, your overalls, get, uh, they get dirty pretty fast, the rest of your clothes. And I went down the basement, threw a load of overalls into the wash, turn it on, you come back up, you can sit down and watch the History Channel. You hear the buzzer go off, back down, throw it into the uh, dryer. I came back and I was thinking, my goodness, think of that, uh, the contrast. Think about 1790 when these ladies were cooking these, uh, these peas. And all that day, the work that went into that, just how much uh, you're doing. And here I am today. Pitch them in the wash, buzzer goes off, throw them in the dryer, and there it is. Yeah. So that uh, adds a little bit of appreciation to the wash day pee and what they, uh, what they went through at that time. It sure does, John. I think uh, another note on these wash day peas, that might have been one of the original fast foods. <laughs> you know, today you'll tell Dad to go down and pick up a bag of burgers somewhere and some fries. Back then, that was that, uh, that fast cooking pea that you had on wash day. You know, we have a holdover of that today. Then if you've been to New Orleans, you know New Orleans uh, Monday is uh, red beans and rice day. And in the schools, they still serve uh, beans, red beans and rice. And that's uh, a holdover from wash day. That was something they could put on the wood burning stove and have simmering while they were doing all the 
work with the with the wash that day. Didn't know that. So that's come down to us into modern times. That's so neat. And I just have to throw in one more story John has about peas. I want to tell you a story about a fellow that came to visit us up at the farm. This was about two months ago, and he had grown up in the Depression years. And he's up in his, uh, well, up in his 80s now. But he was talking about uh, living on the farm then. You know, the people that grew up on the farms, they would, uh, many of them I've heard say that we didn't have a dime before, during, or after the, uh, the Great Depression. We didn't know there was a Depression on. We had to, we lived the same way. And your people really that were on the farms had the better of it. Yes. I know even your doctors would work very often. They would work for trade, chickens and, and uh, mm-hmm. beans, and apples, you, you name it. They, they would trade. Everybody was in the same boat. Mm-hmm. So that, that we all had to get along and, and do the best we could with it. But this one pea I have right here is called the Bradham Stock Pea. It dates to 1870 down in Georgia. And that came from uh, this family. And this old fellow was telling me the story he said, when I was about eight years old, every day we had peas. Mom would make that little bowl of peas for me, and I had my piece of cornbread. They might have had some sweet potato or something else. But anyway, he said, one day I rebelled. I sat down and had a big frown on my face. And I looked at that bowl of peas, and took that bowl of peas, and I pushed it away. And Mama asked, what's the matter, son? And I said, I ain't eating no more peas. I'm tired of them. Well, his daddy just looked at him and he said, that's all right, son. You'll eat them tomorrow. <laughs> In other words, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> that was the, the choice. That was the choice. <laughs> that's a good story, John. Well, you know, most of these old peas that we have here, they all have stories because I've gotten them from old timers, people I've known years and years ago. And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Our first guest today has been John Corkendall, seed saver, storyteller, and all-around Tennessee treasure. To find details and links about John and sources of seed that he has helped to preserve, I've put links about all that on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com, under that link that says Listen to the Show. Up next... I've got news and an event with John and his wife Ashley involving a potluck dinner, a seed swap, a talk from John, and the screening of Deeply Rooted, a documentary made about John and his work by Christina Melton from Louisiana Public Broadcasting. And here are a few events in our area that are food and farming in focus, brought to us by area nonprofit organizations. As part of IAM's Nature Center Take Action Month, IAM's Nature Center and Slow Food Tennessee Valley will be co-hosting a potluck dinner that celebrates locally raised foods, a seed swap, a seed talk from John Koykendall, and a showing of the documentary featuring John Koykendall and his life as a seed saver entitled Deeply Rooted, John Koykendall's Journey to Save Our Seeds and Stories. This event takes place at IAM's Nature Center on Sunday, March 31st from 5 o'clock until 8 p.m. There is no charge for this event. If you'd like to participate in the seed swap at this event on that evening, donate any heirloom, non-GMO, non-hybrid, 
open pollinated seeds, and the seeds don't have to be organic. And be sure the seeds are dried thoroughly, and bring the seeds labeled in envelopes with you with the label of the common name and the cultivar if you know it. Label the date harvested or purchased and place in sealed bags or containers that keep the seed dry. Century Harvest Farms Foundation and Second Harvest Food Bank East Tennessee will be co-hosting Chartreuterie and Cocktails, a signature event to raise awareness and establish support for their collaborative efforts of addressing food insecurity in East Tennessee. Funds raised will be dedicated to adopting a field of fresh produce to provide for 7,200 individuals and beef from 10 grass-fed steers, which will be enough to provide ground beef to 6,000 individuals. This event will be an evening of charcuterie, cocktails, and conversation, and will take place Friday, April 25th, from 5 until 7.30 at the Central Collective at 923 North Central Street in downtown Knoxville, and that's just a little bit beyond Magpie's. Tickets and details by searching for Century Harvest Farms Foundation on Facebook. And as always, information and links to all of these events are always available on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com, under that link that says Listen to the Show. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. Seventy years ago, in 1949, Charles Gordon produced the first bottle of the energy-boosting lemon-lime drink called Dr. Enough. His son, Chuck, runs Johnson City, Tennessee's Tri-City Beverage Company today. One of the great things about a Dr. Enough is it has no aftertaste. You drink it and it's clean. Chuck Gordon says his father was a clever promoter of his products. Back in the early 50s, with the help of the advertising gentleman at the Johnson City Press Chronicle, they created a full-page ad on the back of the paper. And the layout made it look like the front page. That whole page was about Dr. Enough. The story goes that they went out and slipped a few bucks or coins to the paper boys to fold them backwards so that when you opened them up, that was the front page, not the back page. Everyone thought that was the headlines of the paper that day. Wanda Braswell has worked for the Gordon family for 42 years. It's almost like having celebrity status when people find out that I work for Dr. Enough. It's, oh, this is the lady that makes Dr. Enough, or this is Dr. Wanda. And even though it's so popular in this area, I still meet people who've never tasted Dr. Enough, and that's just sad. Dr. Enough drinkers say the beverage has curative powers. We have a family that drive here from South Carolina who swears that their mother doesn't have any UTIs since she's been drinking Dr. Enough. My mother is 97 years old. Every day that I drop by, the first thing is having her afternoon Dr. Enough. Tri-City Beverage and Dr. Enough is more than a business. It's a legacy. In Johnson City, Tennessee, I'm Fred Saussman. This is Charlotte Tolley of Nourish Knoxville at nourishknoxville.org, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table on East Tennessee's own WDVX.
And now it's time for the gospel portion of our radio broadcast. We like to call this our daily bread. This is one of these songs I might be guilty of playing too much, but it's so beautiful. Larry Sparks and Greener Pastures. The shepherd leads me out to green pastures where the clear sweet water flows. The evil shadows are all around me. I'm not afraid. He's there, I know. Storms will come. And rage around me I'm not alone He is my shield When I'm weary Alone and forsaken He lifts me up He is so real In the fields that are barren, oh, where danger awaits me, I may go. The master will search until he finds me. He'll guide me back into the fold. I'm one of his sheep. He'll love and protect me Oh, when I call He's there close by The day draws near For that final journey To that green pasture In the sky Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.